Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. You can't handle the truth! Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am tonight's entertainment here from the North Star Recording Studio, also known as the North Star Recording Bunker, because we have two federal inmates on the loose here. About two miles from me, the federal Supermax prison, they busted out. So, hey, Cameron, welcome. Thanks for being in the chat. Um, so a couple updates here. Wasn't going to do a show tonight, but by God, there's just too much crazy stuff going on here to not do it. As you can see, I've got the military look today. A few reasons. One is we are shelter in place, stay safer at home or whatever the hell I guess you call it, through the 26th of May now in my state. So basically spring's gone. Um, second, this morning, my phone buzzes, we get a call, you know, our landline, all of that stuff. Escape prisoners from our Supermax state prison here, right? The prison that had Jeffrey Dahmer as an inmate. So I'm going to read the story about that because it's pretty crazy how these guys got out. It's not a Shawshank Redemption type thing going on here. It's absolutely nuts. So I'm going to talk about that. Got a couple other things just want to touch base on. Felt like tonight's the night to do a show. So yes, I'm down here in the studio, recording studio, the North Star recording studio. Let's get this damn camera. Jesus. All right. Yeah, I know there should be a better way to do this. When I work between programs, it all kind of goes wonky. All right, here we go. First of all, story with the hat. USS Fox, uh, best friend in high school. He uh, enrolled in the Navy and he got on the Fox. And uh, the Fox has been decommissioned. Yeah, years ago. But anyway, he sent me this hat. So um, I'm wearing it in honor of him. He is fine. He's doing well. But why the hell not, right? So a couple other things here at the start. Um, here, ouch. That's going to leave a mark. Um, here's my book, School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America. You know, it's 30 bucks, right? That's on Amazon. And or else it's like 15 in Kindle. It's a great book, Chaos Theory. Um, and if, if you read it, like leave a review, you know, leave a review. I, I appreciate that. Been stuck, stuck in the 20s for too long on that. Um, otherwise, I'm not here to sell you anything, right? You go to my website, the book's there. There's nothing else. I don't have anything else to, to, to sell. Um, few things. If you can subscribe to this channel, I'd appreciate it. If you can hit the thumbs up, I'd appreciate that. Um, I produced a lot of content here in the last couple of weeks, so it's been really good getting that stuff out. So let's talk right now about what's happening right here with the doc. All right, so we have two prisoners, two prisoners who escaped this morning from our Super Max prison here in town. It's located two miles from where I'm at, Super Max prison. Um, I'm going to read the story in the newspaper. It's almost... It's almost comical of how these guys got out. Honestly, I'm not. I'm not embellishing this. It's absolutely crazy how how kind of easy it was for these these guys to escape this maximum security prison. So this place is close by. It's not like right next to where I live, um, but you, you know, literally, it's two miles away. 
I bike past it when I do my favorite bike route. So it's good times. Um, this thing was built in 86. So it's like a modern prison. It's a modern looking prison. You know, it's not the Shawshank Redemption type image. Um, but yeah, so this is a modern prison. And in 1994, Jeffrey Dahmer, the serial killer from Milwaukee, he was imprisoned there and he was murdered, right? Um, so this was the whole deal. This prison located two miles from me overnight. These prisoners escaped the Supermax prison. So let me read the article, which is amazingly bizarre. Okay. Um, so anyway, well, let me do this. Here's what I got on my phone this morning. The phone buzzes like if there's a tornado or something like that. And it says, report of inmate escape at Columbia Correctional Facility. Please lock your doors and stay home. If you see anyone suspicious, call 911. Okay, yeah, I get that. Um, so the phone is going off. They're, they're calling the, the, the house and all of that, the, you know, how the emergency network works. Here's the deal, though, okay? So the deal is these, these dudes are wearing civilian clothes. Like, they don't have to wear the prison garb, apparently. I don't know how the hell the whole thing works, but... And they look like probably anybody in my neighborhood. Like, so the, what is suspicious? What is suspicious right now? We've all been locked inside for the last month. Anybody outside is kind of suspicious, but I guess, you know, it's this whole thing. Stay inside, lock your doors. Yeah, I get that. Stay home. Yeah, which we had to do anyway. But this is, this is weird. What I did is, is we have, a, we, I secured the property, right? And we, had, we butt up against Parkland, which is all wooded and brushy. So, you know, I'm just scoping out the area pretty well, going up and down in the back, kind of protecting where my neighbors are at. And, yeah, I'm ready to give these guys a run for their money if they've decided to somehow camp out here in my, you know, in the back 40, which they didn't. But who the hell? Nobody really knew where, the, where they were at, right? So, yeah, I cleared out the neighborhood pretty well. Wasn't wasn't real hesitant on doing that. The doc was was in a pretty feisty, pissed mood um, because yeah, this thing comes through and 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 then anyway. So here here's the article. You're gonna love this. This is our local paper. So we're a community of ten thousand people. We have the Supermax Prison again, where Jeffrey Dahmer was. It's in our town. It was built in '86. So here's the article. Two inmates escaped Thursday morning from Columbia Correctional Institution in uh, Portage and remain at large. Well, first of all, let me explain this to you so you don't think I'm as crazy as how I'm presenting right now. In front is me. This is an image of me. Over here, these are my show notes. Right is the internet. So as you see me kind of looking around, that's what's going down. Okay. So these two inmates escaped this morning. Their names are James Robert Newman, age 37, and Thomas E. Deering, 46. So we're getting a lot of information right off the bat. They get pictures of these guys. The Columbia County Sheriff's Office received a 911 call from the Columbia Correctional Institute at 4.59 a.m. regarding an escaped inmate, Sheriff Roger Brandmer said. Okay, let me pause it there. So you call 911 if you're a supermax prison and two prisoners escape, not just one, two escape, but your system then is to call 911. I don't know. It doesn't seem to fit, right? Am I the only one? Like chintz, cripes, like what? Seems there should be another process in place for that. But I don't, I don't know. So let's just read on. After deputies arrived at the scene, they learned two inmates had escaped by climbing over two of the high sec security fences. What? Like these are huge fences. I just, I just go by this place all the time. Huge fences, razor wire fences. And apparently they climbed over them and then they have guard towers up scattered. 
nobody's watching this. There's not electrical. There's not movement scanners. I mean, really, they climbed over the fences. Okay. Can't get any weirder than that, right? Yeah, but it does. Let's keep reading. A neighborhood search was immediately conducted. Yeah, great. Uh, Brandmer said, he's the sheriff, law enforcement initially used drones and canine units to search the area around the prison. Yeah, I guess, but they're not going to be around the prison, right? There's an interstate that goes by the prison. And if you escape from prison, the last place you want to stay is by the prison, right? I mean, hey, David B., welcome to the show. David B., Chins, Cameron, thank you for being here. It's an impromptu. But this stuff is just, like, I couldn't write it better than this. This is this is pure comedy of craziness. So anyway, this morning, yeah, two two prisoners broke out of the Supermax near my house. So the, the police conduct a, a search of the neighborhood. The, the escaped prisoners went to a local hotel and were picked up by Portage Cab and transported to Point It. What the hell? So the, the escaped prisoners, all right, they go to a hotel. Now, there's a couple of hotels close to the prison, so, um, and they've got their civilian clothes on. And they ask for a cab. They get a cab, and then they go to Poinette, which is the neighboring town. It's literally eight miles away. And they were dropped off at a Piggly Wiggly at that town, which is a grocery store. And then somebody else picked them up, and they're gone, and nobody knows where they are. The inmates apparently left the, the portage area where I live, according to law enforcement, and being notified of their escape. But anyway, of course, they left, right? Because the cab driver said, I picked them up, and I took them to this location. The Department of Corrections is working closely with the Columbia County Sheriff's Office and various other law enforcement agencies on this ongoing investigation. So they have no idea. They have no, no idea where these guys are. Um, the State Department of Corrections said news release. These individuals are considered dangerous. Anyone with information regarding the whereabouts of these individuals should immediately contact law enforcement. Yeah, yeah, we get it. We get it, right? Um, oh, it's Germantown Runner. Germantown Runner, welcome. Welcome. Residents in the area received automated phone calls about the prison escaped and were urged to lock their doors about 6 a.m. today. Yeah, that was pretty freaky when that came through. It's like usually the only time is like if there's a tornado warning, we get the same type of thing. But so about 8 a.m., the Portage Police Department said it believed the inmates were headed toward Madison, no longer in Portage, but they didn't really know that anyway. But um, due to the escape, Portage Community School District did not deliver meals that day. Yeah, we're notified of that too. Both inmates had escaped. Get this. Okay, these guys are veterans. They're, they're, they're seasoned at this. This isn't a rookie deal going on here. Both inmates had escaped from custody before. Newman escaped from a supervised living facility in Jackson County on July 17, 2012. According to state DOC records, he was located, placed in a supervised living facility July 24, 2012 in Florida, then Jacksonville. But the deal is this is a maximum security prison where they're at. So it's not, th this is huge. You drive by it, you know. 30-foot fence, guard towers, guys with guns and, and all of that stuff. This this is as hardcore as it gets for Wisconsin prison. So anyway, th so so both of these dudes had escaped. The other guy, Deering, he escaped a, a Waupon Correctional Institute, which is another in Wisconsin, October 4, 2002, by hiding in the back of a delivery truck and was placed in custody again uh, two months later. So I don't know. But anyway... Um, it, it goes on basically, and they show pictures of the guys. Um, it goes on to say, we don't know what happened. We don't know. Man, that's it. We, we don't know how they got out. How the hell do you not know how these guys got out, right? How 
I mean, yes, of course you can. The investigation is ongoing. They got out of prison, right? The super max, it's a super max prison built in 86. It's modern, right? How did they get out of this? How did they get out of their cells? They got into the yard. They didn't get recognized. Even if you don't have the staff right now, let's say you're, you're understaffed or whatever. Don't you have the, the means through, you know, night vision equipment, motion detectors, all of that stuff to pick up if somebody's climbing over your fences, like your razor wire fences. And I, I just, it blows me away. It blows me away, right? It, it's absolutely uh, uncanny. And, and the fact too, that the deal is they can wear the civilian clothes. I don't know if it's overnight or what the deal was, but you know, well, will they, you know, can we recognize them? What should we be looking for? Well, it is civilian clothes. Yeah. Whatever you and I have on, like probably not this, but they have civilian clothes on. They've got a Rick and Morty t-shirt and a Detroit Tigers baseball hat. I mean, what the hell? So as of right now, I've got everything locked down upstairs, got the lights on in the back. You know, again, we butt up against a large area of property in the back. Um, and I don't think they're around here anymore because we're close to metros and there really wouldn't be much reason. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's basically you're on your own, right? So I've got the place ready to ready to rock and roll if it comes to that. I'm not really um, not really concerned about that. I'm also on a hill, so I've got a good defensive position. But what the hell? What the hell's going on here? And the fact is, I haven't seen police around all day cruising. I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen cruisers around all day, but anyway, you know, I got my USS Fox head on. Let me go to the chat room. Um, Germantown runner, David, uh, there are no coincidences ever. Yes. Yeah. Uh, chins, they'll probably, uh, they'll probably, uh, take over a car. Yeah. Dave, <laughs> look for him in Wisconsin Dells. Yeah. Laugh, laugh out loud. Wisconsin Dells, for those of you, not familiar with where I live. I'm very close to Wisconsin Dells, which has water parks and big theme parks and, and all of that, which really is a tremendous place in summer. Now it's been shut down because of the virus. So, you know, all of these attractions in Wisconsin Dells, uh, it's really not, of course, the place to be right now, but my God, if I were, yeah, I'd want to go to the Dells. Um, that's a great place to be. So anyway, I'm just looking at this and I, I'm just, so, so let me go over the, the message here that comes up from on my phone and it's you know it's re here it is report of inmate escape at columbia county correctional institute cci please lock your doors okay yeah stay home got it doing that anyway if you see anyone suspicious call 911 suspicious what the hell suspicious i don't know what that is and again um i i didn't there wasn't much there wasn't any police patrol i took this on myself i secured the whole damn neighborhood I mean, it was, it was, it, I, you know, and my neighbor is doing the same thing. I'm like, if these, if these guys are back here in the woods, we'll smoke them out, man. There's not a problem with this. This isn't going to be happening in my neighborhood. Yeah. House is locked down. Keep the kids inside, do all of that. But doc's doing a little bit of hunting on his own right now. So I, the, but again, these guys are, these guys are gone. They have no idea where the hell they are. They'll probably find them, you know, because they'll make some mistake or they'll, Whatever, but these guys are gone, right? But again, this I'd be more impressed. I'd be more impressed if this was an Andy Dufresne. I mean, if, if if you have to if you have to dig through your wall with a rock hammer and then you have to crawl through a five hundred foot septic pipe to get out, that's one thing, right? But this 
you basically somehow get over a fence pretty easily and you're gone. And you call a cab from a hotel? I don't know. Anyway, let's go back. Uh, Bull Rush, uh, G.I. Joe Doc, laugh out loud. Yeah, yeah. Well, I went back at the start. The fr this hat is is uh, circa 1990, uh, USS Fox. Um my friend uh, was was on the Fox uh, for a few years and um, had sent me the hat. So, yeah, actually I actually don't wear this uh, much I, and I don't wear it outside. It's more of kind of just display. But I feel like I have to have this this military type uh, presence today because I basically got myself in the damn dock army today of going out back, uh, you know, get, taking the measures that I need to take, which I'm not going to get elaborate into on this the show but of course, uh, securing the perimeter, I butt up against a lot of a lot of, of parkland, trees, shrubs, stuff like that. So, I mean, if you're going to hide, it's not that hard to hide at the end of my neighborhood. Like, and and there's access because there's major power lines that kind of intersect. Like, you could figure out kind of where you're at by doing that, by just following the lines. Like, you'd have you you have some natural natural way, and then eventually you get to an ice age trail and all. Of the, I mean, if it depends. But I'm back there. Yeah, literally. I mean, I'm covering a lot of ground today. Got the family secured down and got everything else. But yeah, I'm not afraid to make it rumble. I'm not. He's, same with my neighbor. He's the same thing. We're, we're working kind of in concert with this. But these guys are out of here. Um, Borush says, Doc, you look suspicious. Go, God, please. Yeah, nobody call me. And that's the other thing is like, I'm out there. And I'm thinking, who's going to call me in? Like, I didn't have anything like a yellow neon vest or anything like that on. But, uh, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, so uh, the bit, hey, the bit, welcome. What's up, Doc? Well, yeah, the Doc is sitting here. Um, and two escaped pr prisoners from a federal uh, supermax prison in uh in my area here where jeffrey dahmer was and they they killed him back in 94 so uh yeah just a couple miles from my house we had two prisoners escape they have no idea where they are so yeah the doc is in full out um protecting the fort mode right now um but yeah yeah got everything got everything secured whoever was to visit here it'd be a bad night for them but i don't think they're going to i think they're they're far away from here but anyway again um, so yeah, the bit, um, yeah, then collect the valuable reward. Yeah. I don't know if there is a reward, but isn't this crazy though? Like, isn't it crazy? Just going back to this article, this article. So these dudes, um, they both had escaped places before. Okay. So that's a deal. They had escaped places before one was in prison for kidnapping, um, you know, theft. I don't know. felt all this shit, the big long list of what you get put in federal prison for. Right. And, uh, and again, they they escape overnight and they climb two fences and there's these big guard towers right the whole thing it's a it's a maximum security prison how it's a modern maximum security prison and they leave and they cross an interstate and they go to a hotel and they get a cab and then they go to the neighboring town to the grocery store and then from there they they hitch up somewhere else and then they're gone it's just, and plus, like, we get no details from this internally, right? We get nothing else from the media, nothing. Else. You know, we're investigating how this happened. But how the hell does this happen? How does this happen? I mean, yeah, if they tunneled underneath the facility for 500 yards and came out on the other side, that's pretty damn impressive. I mean, for you to go out in civilian clothes and somehow scale this fence and, and, be fine, according to the the cab driver. You look fine. 
that seems to be a little too easy. You know, I'm used to Shawshank Redemption, you know, Andy Dufresne. Um, these guys needed to work for this. This was too easy. But, uh, but yeah, so I'm thinking, who? what the hell is going on there? What's it like inside of that place? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a lot changed since Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, got uh, got toned up with a with a metal bar there back in 1994. I don't know. I don't know. You got civilian clothes? When did that start happening at a Supermax? I mean, come on. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, commissary. They should check out my wardrobe. It's not that impressive at all. Yeah, honestly, honestly. Um, so let's go back to the uh, the chat room. Again, this was impromptu. I had some notes. I was going to do um, a different theme show, which I'm going to move into here in a little bit. But I wanted to hit on this because this is this is just knuck and futz, as, as Dickie Roberts would say. How the hell did two prisoners escape from a supermax prison by just climbing the fence? Not shooting anybody, not overpowering a guard. You know, not nothing. There's no MacGyver science brought into this. I mean, there's part of me that I can, if I'm, if I'm like, yeah, they got this, or some something was smuggled in. You know, somebody dropped in whatever with a drone. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. You know, so it's not even an impressive story. It's 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 a it's a weird comedy. <laughs> and how cool how cool do you just play it to come into some hotel and just ask for a. Uh, a cap. Hey, we got to call a cap. I don't know how you got the money for it, but let's say you got it. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's weird. This is, this, it's like a Rick Farley or Chris Farley, David Spade movie is what this is. It's like a bad version of the Blues Brothers, not written nearly as well. That's what this is. And who knows how the hell this will unfold. I'd like to interview the guys. Like, give me a chance. I'm two, two miles away. I can get in there with my Zoom if you're not going to let me have the camcorder. Let me ask these guys. How the hell did you pull this off? Why was it so easy? It'd be like, oh, God, we expected this. We expected this. We had extra tools, Dave. We had a lot of tools that we didn't need. We left the wrench over there, screwdriver. We thought it was, we thought the, the fence was juiced, but it wasn't. So you know what we learned from this? We would have packed a hell of a lot lighter if we we're going to do this escape the, the second time around. You know, that stuff where you watch like the escape from Alcatraz. Dave, that's sensationalized, Grace. It wasn't that hard at all. Razor wire. Oh, yeah, there's. Man, you, you climb that stuff. There's always places to put your hand and feet. Don't worry about it. I mean, this is like what it's like, right? I don't know. What the hell? So let me go back here. Um, Bullrush. Uh, Doc, do you need a sport coat to match your camels? Yeah, I, I, I do. Yeah, I need like a tan. tan sp- I have a brown sport coat that would go with this. Um, so Yosemite Sam must be running that place <laughs> It's just, it's got to be crazy inside. It's, it's got to be crazy. I mean, I need to get the insider story. I need to find somebody that works there. Um, what county, sir, on Scanner Radio? Bobby Grant, the county is Columbia. Also check the county of Dane, Wisconsin. They are supposedly in Dane is where they're looking for them right now in Dane County, Wisconsin. D-A-N-E. That's where you're going to be um, getting your most hits, but also Columbia County, where I'm located at. Uh, they they think they are near Dane, but again, by thinking that, they have no idea where the hell they really are. Um, is Dahmer's house still staying? I don't know. Dahmer, Dahmer was Milwaukee, right? I don't know what happened. I think he, he rented an apartment, if I'm correct. I worked with a guy who worked with Dahmer at a chocolate factory, so a weird fact. So he was a nice guy. Um, you know, you never know. Yeah, the bit, the guards are sleeping. Yeah, whoever was doing the third shift. And the thing is, I don't get this, though. Don't you have... 
don't you have redundant measures built in place in these systems that would would recognize like a thermal cam? Somebody is running from the yard to the fence or wouldn't there be some movement on the fence that would trigger, you know, maybe just call me an old scientist, but wouldn't these technologies exist in 2020 that you could fairly automate most of this process? Um, and you're not going to be doing like a bed count in the morning and say, hey, you know, Bob and Ted, um, they're not here. Like, where are they? I need to go back and look camera. Oh, shit. They went over the fence. Come on. Come on. Anyway. Hey, if you're here, um, please do a thumbs up on the show right now. Just please do a thumbs up. If you're not subscribing to me on YouTube, please do so. Um, my subscribership has increased. I actually lost a couple for the reason that they got banned <laughs> on their own channels. And then when that goes, when, when they, when they're gone, then everything's gone. So, all right. Is, is voice coming through good here? Cause I'm, oh, there we go. Seeing some weird stuff with the mic. Anyone want to put, uh, uh, the bit chintz, uh, voice, voice coming through. Okay. Here. I don't know. It, it looks to be just got some weird, I've got a new interface. Yeah. Thanks guys. Paranormal. Hey, cat. Thank you. Thank you from Canada. Um, thanks. Yeah. I've got some new, uh, software I'm interfacing in here so I can blue, not blue screen. I can green screen. Not right now, of course, but during times I can green screen out and I've been trying that. It's been pretty cool. I've been doing some like graphics on some stuff, you know, like putting explosions and all of those things like flying saucers is really cool. Like I'm really primitive at that. So it's not like really cool, but for me, it's pretty cool. So anyway, just a recap, I've got two escaped convicts, um, federal prison guys who are never going to be released, apparently. Um, yeah, climbed two fences, and we don't know where they're at. So Doc today was securing the Doc neighborhood along with my neighbor, Tim. So between us, we have 100 years of experience, and uh, and we, we went through the weeds in the back and the forest and everything, and it was kind of fun, you know. I'm just, yeah, hoping I'm, we're not going to have to eliminate two guys at the end of the day. But we we didn't, you know. Neighborhoods cleared out. So let me move on um, to something else here. That that yeah, since I've got this uh, couple things here. So anyway, I'm doing well. Face validity check, and I was out today. Um, so after I got done with doing everything, I, I just kind of did the big drive through town to see what was going on because I was basically trying to see where are the police in my town, considering we just have two convicted felons who are dangerous that if they like, escaped, um, you know, to just where are our police like making the rounds? So anyway, here's a, here's something new in Doxtown. Um, the basketball hoops are liberated. Dun, dun, dun. People are actually playing hoops again. So the, the hoops aren't tied up. Now, the, the, the parks are all still roped off in police tape. Do not cross police tape. So I took some pictures because I'm figuring I'm either going to do an article about this or write a book about this down the road, about like face validity and the velocity of information of how to process when so much information comes at you at so much time. And so I've had people ask me, they're like, are you, are you going to do another book? And, you know, that's kind of like when people ask you, are you going to do another book? Doing a book is a hell of a big thing, like a big, big thing. You know, you got to do an outline. You got to get it, you know, approved by a publishing house. You got the contract to go through deadlines, rewrites, and all that shit. It's not, it, it's, it's not a fun process. It's a rewarding process, but not fun. And uh, so anyway, I've been thinking about it. Some other people asked me, they're like, are you going to do it? And I said, yeah, I actually think I've got the topic, right? The topic would be the velocity of information and then also um, 
Hey, Paranormal Heart, uh, you had a great book. Thank you. Yeah, School of Errors, for those of you right here, School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America. But really, it's a book about chaos theory, transitioning into chaos. First chapter, how to um, how thinking about a bagel can get you through the worst day of, of your life. So uh, going to Bobby Grant. Thank you, sir. Columbia 135 listeners, Dane 65 listeners, Scanner Radio. Yeah, I've got I've, I've to check that out. I think the Scanner Radio app, a couple of my friends have said, go on the Scanner Radio app. You can find out what's happening. Um, cause yeah, it's, it's the big thing right here, right? I mean, everyone is, is law enforcement. Everyone is trying to figure out where these dudes are. Um, so yeah. So, so anyway, I don't know where the hell it was. Oh, right. So doing a second book. So I took pictures of, of parks in my town and it really is this, 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 um, un, this surreal post-apocalyptic feel to it. Be especially like if I, if I just do them in black and white, because nobody's there, right? They're all roped off and, you know, police lines and stuff like that. Beautiful parks, um, playground equipment, everything's roped off. So I got some really cool images today. The sun, perfect angle. And I'm kind of just checking out what's happening in my in my community and stuff like that. River was up a little bit. Wisconsin River runs by. It's been a little high lately, but, you know, just the way that it is. Um, but, yeah, I, I got out there. And so, yeah, I'm working on the second book, Velocity of Information, Face Validity. And part of it, Face Validity right now. Build your network of friends all across the country and the world, but the country. Like I've got my friends, uh, Brian, in New York City in the Bronx. Um, friends, I, I just talked to, uh, to my friend Morgan in San Diego about an hour ago. Friends all over the country and you say, authentically, what's happening by you? When you go outside, what's happening? So I stopped today at our hospital, checked out the entrance where it says right here for respiratory patients and, and stayed there a little bit. Not in, not much going on. People not coming in and out. And again, I know the whole story. Like people are like, it's like a restaurant. It's busier inside than it is outside. Like, you know, you don't see what's happening in the kitchen. Yeah, I get all of that. But, you know, for face validity, it hadn't changed a lot, at least here. Um, again, going to the parks, going to the armory, checking things like that out, talking to friends, right? Talking to friends and saying, um, saying, yeah, what, what are you witnessing? And Brian Bowden, who, you know, shout out to Brian Bowden, uh, in, in the show, he was on, uh, episode 128 of the safety doc podcast. So Brian lives in Manhattan. He was going out and doing five minute video clips of what's happening in Manhattan. Um, so as he's encountering stores, you know, are, are there things on shelves? What are people doing in the community? People are out with leaf blowers. That doesn't seem normal, but they're doing that. And what's what things stand out? Here's postal delivery. Some people have gloves on, some people don't. So it's this whole phase validity thing, trying to figure out what's happening in your environment, especially now, you know, with the COVID stuff going on. We just were notified in Wisconsin today, all schools are closed till the end of the year. And then also um, we have another five weeks of safer at home order, which is basically stay at home. So you can, you can get tied up in the media, right? If you just watch the media, the local media, national, you know, all of that stuff, you, you, you just wound up, you get told one thing. But if you actually have a network of friends, if you're talking to Brian and I'm talking to Brian, say, Brian, what's happening? He's like, hey, Dave, I was out this morning in the Bronx and here's what I actually encountered. Here's what I saw. Here's what was happening. That helps a lot that you need to know face validity. So I'm going to write about face validity. And I wanted to get those snapshots today because in the book, I want to have a couple pictures of these playgrounds um, just for context of, of kind of what we went through. So um, yeah, Cameron, Cameron, I wonder when the gym's open. Yeah, that's a good question, man. I'll tell you what I've been hearing too from 
my my school connections across the country is that the the schools will have very stringent criteria that they'll need to adhere to to open up again such as UV lighting um, that would be put into every classroom. So when kids weren't in there, this UV lighting would be flashing to kill bacteria. That was kind of a big thing with MRSA back in 2014. It never caught on that big, but now it is. Like they're selling these devices. So even to open up a school or a gymnasium or a gym or a workout place, like a, a you know, your, your local gym, you're going to have a lot of stuff that's going to have to be in place. And part of that's the insurance carriers are going to say, if you don't do this or have this equipment or like, you know, these handheld UV things that you're waving over stuff on a regular basis or limiting the number of people you have in or some type of social distancing with your equipment, we're not going to, we're not going to insure you. Like, that'll just be the thing. So that's, I've been hearing a lot of that. And this is all new, right? Like none of us two months ago even thought about stuff like this. We didn't know what social distancing was, quarantine life, that stuff. So they're kind of inventing this stuff as they go along, but Oh man, I don't know. I don't know, Cameron. I think it's, I, I think it's, it's crazy. You, you talked about, they will need more windows for sure. That's, and that's, that's interesting stuff, right? Because yeah, run windows, we know UV regular sunlight is a disinfectant. Now I'm a school safety guy, right? I wrote a school safety book. And it was interesting because like a lot of the new schools for safety construction, quote unquote, they built them with very few windows or without windows um, as a safety measure. But so now when you look at, coronavirus and, and natural sunlight and stuff. You've just created a lot of buildings that don't even have this kind of stuff. So um, German uh, David wrote to Germantown Runner here, gyms can open up in phase two of the president's plan that he announced this evening. Good. Yeah. So I haven't, I haven't kept fully up on the different phases of the plan. I know in Wisconsin, we were extended out now, um, I think through May 25th for a safer at home. I'm hoping my small engines place opens up because I got to get, I got to get my lawnmower in. Um, it, it's uh it's, it needs to get in. Anyway, we had, um, yeah, what is, Cameron, what is phase two? Yeah, there's a lot of phases. I, well, and, and, and uh, Dave and, Cam, and, and Cameron and Chinson, you know, as I read what was coming out of like, um, and it's weird too, like these states kind of bonding together, like the East Coast states, the West Coast states, and now the Midwest. Like, I'm, I, I'm not sold the, on all of this. Like, I still think it's going to be a long process. I think they had to put something out there. I just don't, you know, they're saying testing and then like no new cases, but I, I don't know. I, I, in, are you going to test that people have antibodies and if they have antibodies present, then they can go back to work. And so I think it will happen, but I, I, I think this multi-phase plan is more, um, I don't know, wishful thinking, propaganda, not, not propaganda in a negative way, but propaganda in a way of saying like, we have to tell you something. So here's what we think the plan will look like. And as time goes by, it'll get more apparent. But anyway, um, so we had, uh, we, we had uh, Nick August. Welcome Nick August. They're doing it to preempt Trump as a political move. Yeah. This stuff is, this stuff is completely political, right? In my state, <laughs> in my state, um, the, the election there was between the Democrats, Republicans and governor, there was a big, a big battle on whether we should hold the election face to face and whatever. But, um, when it didn't go the way of, of our Democrats, our, our governor four hours later, what we, we hear that our state parks are closed, like our parks are suddenly closed. So we have a lot of things right now, which are being political footballs on what is being closed and what's not like our golf course is open today. Golf courses in the state open, just have to keep a tee time and a social distance, but you can't go to a state park. We have state parks here, you know, thousands of acres, state parks. You can't go to the state parks. 
they're closed. If you go there, you'll get fined. They'll take your license plate. You'll get fined. Yet you can go golfing. So yeah, it's just, it's garbage. Um, so we had a referendum last week. Like we had, a, there were many school referendums on the ticket and some of these were big, like $90 million school referendum. And I'm thinking, and I said this, these aren't going to pass. I mean, people know that they've just been, you know, they've been furloughed. Their friends have been furloughed. Stock market's kind of acting wonky right now. You know, futures are up for tomorrow, stock market. But if we really look at the economy, though, people are getting laid off, right? Um, universities are being shut down. Um, you know, all of this stuff is having huge ripple effects. Stuff flooding into Craigslist. That's where I kind of like to check, like, what's really happening in the economy? Like, people are flooding Craigslist. They're just dumping stuff. Um, but these school referendums passed. People are, oh, we'll do the $90 million referendum. And I'm like, what the hell? And it was that moment in time, that single moment in time. And um, the, the single moment in time, I just realized my practical sense isn't matching the reality. Like, I people are just voting this stuff because if you give them a choice, choice to vote yes or no, they're voting yes. That's the deal. And I've shared this with people too. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not anti-school, anti-education. But the fact is, virtual learning is here to stay. We don't need kids to be in school five days a week. It can be two days, and then it can be the rest virtual. I mean, all this stuff totally exists. Like it would solve a lot of problems on on busing, space, um, in buildings, whatever. But it's just crazy. This stuff passed, and I'm like, who are the people paying for this stuff? You're paying for this. This is your taxes, your mill rate. Come December, you're going to be paying for all of the stuff which you just voted through. Now, the argument, of course, is, well, we voted it through right now and we got great deals because no one's working and we could finance this thing at almost zero. Well, let me tell you, you can almost finance it at zero a year ago, too. And this isn't this isn't a good argument. Like, you've got to tighten the belt during these times. This isn't the time to go out and to spend on all of this stuff. So I don't know. It's just, it's inverse. It's like today, I mean, the stock market, the future is up for 7,800 points tomorrow, yet we have record unemployment numbers. And people that I know, businesses that I know aren't making payroll. Um, and and yet we have these these this, this weird dichotomy going. It's just crazy stuff. Let me go back to the, uh, the, to the chat room. So um, first, uh, Germantown runner David B. Uh, said there are three phases to get to fully open. The phases are triggered by the number of new cases reported in two-week increments. So um, thanks for clarifying that. Um, and uh, Cameron wrote, the local bike repair shop is open. The owner uh, told me he is secretly keeping it open. So get this. So the place that I take my bike, which is actually um, between here and, and Madison, right? where It's close to where they think these convicts might be at the moment. Um, so I got a hold of the place and I'm like, are you guys open? <laughs> and I, I, are you essential service? And the, the owner, he said, well, the fact that we have to pay taxes, yeah, we are essential service and they do meet it under transportation. Um, they, they meet the criteria under, under transportation. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if the bike place would have been closed, I'd have been kind of screwed because I, I needed a lot of work on my bike, but I was able to get it in there. But it's crazy. Like our small engines place. And I took a picture of the sign today because, he wrote on it. I know the guy, you know, he's a great guy. He wrote on it, like closed down by a government decree. I'm like, that's a guy who's really pissed that his business is closed. And he's a great guy. Like he's a terrific guy. And uh, so I drove, I took this picture, you know, you got to do it in a normal type of way that doesn't look like you're, you know, like you're scoping out the place to rob it, especially when you have two convicts, like, you know, on the loose in your neighborhood. Um, 
so yeah, I did a little camcorder, like uh, took some camcorder clips today too for posterity. And then also uh, for some member check video stuff. But again, it gets to be a little iffy when you're doing that stuff. There was one place I'm doing it and I'm thinking, I can't, I really can't shoot this stuff out here just because um, I'm afraid someone's, I'm not, not afraid, but I think someone's going to call me in for looking suspicious. Like it's totally a normal area to shoot video. Um, and there's not like people around that would be in the video, but it was just it was this high traffic area. It was just really weird. So I'm like, yeah, I don't, I just, I don't need to deal with this today. I'm, I don't need to pat down. Um, so, um, yeah, paranormal heart cat off the bed. So cat, thanks for, um, uh, visiting and yeah i appreciate i appreciate that uh you, you spent some time here um cat is up in canada and in a different time zone so it's later for her um, but she has a terrific uh, podcast uh, paranormal heart podcast find it on on uh, youtube it's a podcast i listen to um she does wonderful work so red crusader oh shit what is up guys all right red crusader well here's the deal red i'm gonna do like a little Update here. We had two prisoners escape from our maximum security prison located just a couple of miles from my house. So got notified here through many means, including the buzzing phone and stuff. Two prisoners escaped. They're on the loose. They have no idea where the hell they are. And they escaped, you know, it, it, it's, it, and it's, it, it, here's how they escaped. They climbed over two fences and they're gone. They, they didn't have any special equipment. They didn't break out. You know, it wasn't an Andy Dufresne. They didn't have a picture of, you know, uh, Marilyn Monroe and, you know, the, the covering up a hole in the wall that they dug and all of this stuff. No, they just left. They just left. They go over the fence. They call. They, they go to a hotel, a local hotel, and then they call a cab company and they get driven to the next town to a grocery store. And then from there they get picked up and then they're gone. And how, so, again, how does this happen? How does this happen? And then there's no updates from this, really. They have no idea. They have no idea where they are. These, they have no idea where these guys are. And, and this, it's crazy. And, and the other thing people are asking, well, then they, then they have like, what, what should they have on like a black and white mil, uh, prison thing or like orange? Well, yeah, no, they didn't. It's civilian clothes. It's kind of what we're doing. It was a uh, civilian, civilian clothes Wednesday, civvies Wednesday here at the prison at the maximum security prison. Um, so yeah, you have no, you have no idea. They have no, no idea. I mean, <laughs> This is just, it's just insane. It's just insane. Jesus. Uh, all right. Let me get to the second part of this and, and then um, I'm going to wrap this up. So, you know, maybe like 20 minutes and, and then we'll, we'll call. If you haven't already hit the uh, thumbs up, I'd appreciate that. If you haven't subscribed to the show, told somebody about it, I'd appreciate that too. Um, so anyway, talking about morale, you know, we haven't, we don't have a national morale officer for our coronavirus. Like, that's not the job of a president to be the morale officer. If we if we go back to World War One, World War Two, we can talk about the USO. Those are organizations uh, or, or situations when we had people or organizations specifically designated to morale, keeping people's morale up. So I'm going to tell you. Um, so it's called Civilian Morale, Welfare, and Recreation Programs. It's usually part of the military but it's not a military operation. It's not meant for morale of the military. This is meant for morale of civilians. So right now, one of the questions that I've started to, to grind in my mind is, you know, we are a solid month into the coronavirus event. We also know that once you get about 250 days as a soldier on the front line into an event, 
you're either captured, killed, or you have a mental collapse. And so we're talking civilians. You know, what is the timeline for something where you're kind of at in the state of chaos, where, where things are changing? Like today, we had additional five weeks put on for lockdown and more restrictions on things. So how long do people last without really having a morale officer? You know, I guess it's in, who is a morale officer? Is it Jimmy Kimmel at night or is it whatever? I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, hey, Sir Brian Bain Pound, Brian, Brian from the Bronx. Brian is here. That was an ex. I mean, you go back and listen to the show that Brian and I did about a week ago. It, it, it's it's like a prophecy, right? I mean, you, you'd have to go back and, and you'd have to look at this thing and say, what, what day did these guys do this? Because it all came true. Like Brian and I are talking about things like, oh, they're going to track you by cell phone. Sure as hell they're doing that. Apple and Google come out and tell you. They're going to, you know, what if you have a genetic code predisposed, you're predisposed to, to the virus. They're going to let you know ahead of time and say, by the way, now you have to stay home and you have to be here for the next four months. Is your employer going to be okay with that? Are you going to then receive some government subsidy if that's the thing? I mean, all of this, like we hit on so many things during that podcast um, I guess I think it's 128 that just happened. Like they're just authentic. Like we were just ahead of the curve. We were, we were just perceiving, you know, we're, we're looking where the light is bending on the horizon. That's where Brian and I were. It was a hell of a show. So just check it out. It's really good. I apologize. It's, it's perfectly leveled on Podbean and Apple podcast, wherever it is in audio, it's perfectly leveled. YouTube, you got to mess around with it a little bit after eight minutes, it kind of levels out. Because I didn't press the level button on my software, that was all on me. But, um, but yeah, it was, it, it's really a good show. So let me go back. Um, so hey, um, a shout out to Sir Brian Bowden. Uh, Brian is in the Bronx in New York. Has given us a wonderful face validity update. So thank you so much for that, Brian. Bobby Grant, Bobby, new subscriber here. Bobby, thank you. You're a hell of a guy. Hell of a guy, Bobby. Stay safe, uh, Swiss cheese. If they come by, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be wild if they if they come by. Um, and I'm at an elevated position where I'm at too, right? So I've I've got I've got the high ground up here, but I'm just thinking, yeah, somebody tries to get into the house or near the house, it's it's a bad day for them. It's a bad day here. So yeah, um, the compound is is all ready. It's all ready to go. We're in good shape here. The dock. Yeah, I don't need to sleep tonight. Sleep's overrated. I have coffee. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. All right. It's like the movie, The Burbs, right? Who is who's, who's the neighbor, Denny here, whatever the hell he's on the roof, the ex-Vietnam um, uh, vet guy. I don't know if you know who it is. Put it in there. Tom Hanks was in that movie too, but that's, that's how I kind of feel right now. I'm more pissed than anything else. I'm not scared. I'm just pissed that these dudes got out so easily for one. I mean, I get it. it's one thing if you have this elaborate escape, you know, be like Christ, you know, if they, they dug a 500 foot tunnel, you know, and all of the stuff and they had a brace it up and all the stuff. I'm impressed by that. I'm not impressed by two dudes walking out in their civilian clothes and just climbing over two fences and getting a cab. Not impressed by that. So, um, let's go back to, uh, yeah. Mr. Chekhov raises shield star Trek to the wrath of Khan. I remember that. Yep. I give the code, give the code seven, one, five, four, Three shields are going down. Con, put them back up. I don't know. Um, so here, I, what I did is I took 10 things, and this is these from uh practices, right? That have been done to either build or sustain civilian morale during times of war or pandemic or great strife, 
I don't know. And also 10 things that erode civilian morale. So I'm going to go over the 10 things right now that sustain or build civilian morale. Because right now we have a lot of people that are very anxious and nervous. Like I've, I've people that are pretty solid in my world, like pretty stable stuff. They're cracking a little bit. And, you know, I'm having conversations with them and it's, I'm starting, are you okay? You know, and all, I don't know. I don't know about this or whatever. I'm like, well, the worst has probably hit us, right? Like, you know, if we got news tomorrow morning that the airlines were shut down, be like, man, I don't know. Not a big of a deal at, at this point. I mean, um, there's not a lot of on this stuff that could kind of happen right now that, that would, that would move me back out into this big chaos. You know, hey, a meteor is headed toward us. Oh, shit. Yeah, then we're back out here. That's bad news. Um, yeah, so just going back. Um, so, yeah, Bobby, thanks for, for subscribing. Any, if you know anyone, please subscribe. Get him to the channel. Channel's been gaining momentum. I appreciate that. Um, I am investing more in the channel um, also. So it, it in my, you know, equipment, things like that. I've always, I think, had pretty good content, but trying to take it to the next level. Um uh, chintz, uh, a red crusader. If I live next to a maximum security prison, I'd have the, the deer slug shotgun ready until they catch or leave the area. Yeah. I don't like live right next to it. Um, and you, but I mean, I'm close enough, uh, to it and it's, it's great. And I, it's not, a, it's not it's never been a deterrent to living here. You things have been pretty under wraps. Uh, but, but at this point, um, th this, this just, at face validity, right? It seems way too easy that you are able to escape the prison that you sent Jeffrey Dahmer to by simply going out and climbing over two fences. Like that just seems too easy to me. Um, Chintz wrote uh, red. Um, I'll have John Rambo punji stick traps. Yeah. <laughs> Rambo. God, I remember that. I was, I, I loved, I love the whole Rambo uh, series. When I grew up, we had a dude in the neighboring town. It was Wassa, right? It was about 35,000. There's a mountain there. There's a hill, Rib Mountain, they call it. I don't know. It, it's like the second highest point in Wisconsin. This dude went all Rambo on him in the 80s. And he like lived on the mountain and he like lived, you know, he, he, he tunneled out places and he lived there for like two, three years and the, they could never find him. And finally, Alan, I think he turned himself in at some point. And then they found this elaborate, you know, um, compound that he built into the mountain. It was really, it was really pretty phenomenal. That happened again, like up in that area, maybe like a year ago, some dude did the same thing. And he, I think he, again, turned himself in after like three, four years. Cause he was just, he, he was living in Wisconsin. Like it's winter, it's cold. It sucks. Like at some point, like that's not a, that's not a great option. Um, and I think he said that, yeah, I'd rather be like incarcerated where I've got my meals and, and, you know, some heat and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, so, so here, anyway, let me go through this. So 10 things that build up or sustain civilian morale. One baseball. Okay. Back in the forties, they contemplated shutting down the baseball season, major league baseball. Now, a lot of the baseball players went, um, to war and, and so, you know, and not only just as, as promotional stuff, but I mean, they're flying, their pilots are flying planes are doing all of this stuff. And then they also started, um, the all American girls league, remember league of their own, um, that was from 43 to 54, but it was, it was featured as essential for the morale of the public that baseball continue. And they brought up a lot of dudes like me who would never make it in the major leagues. Right. But, um, guys otherwise. So they got a chance to play in the major, kind of like a strike shortened season type of impact. 
So that's number one. Number two, if you can contribute to yourself or to others, and, and part of that is like victory gardens during the war, if you can plant gardens, if you can do stuff like that, that's a big thing. Um, kind of goes, that's self, like if you can keep yourself um, goes into number three, organizing community like um, events. It's kind of hard during a pandemic, but back in World War II, they had metal scrap metal drives. That's why you don't see a lot of bikes and stuff prior to World War II, because a lot of these things were just brought in and melted down for you know bullets and stuff like that, and um, you know for guns, tanks, stuff like that. So right now, what I kind of see is people making masks, right? They're sewing up all of the mask and and they're doing this stuff, um, and and they're donating these into the into the you know you can't use them in the medical sector, but they're donating them out to other places. That's kind of what people are doing right now. They're to keep keep morale up. Um, that's a good thing, right? Um, another thing is that if you have a charismatic leader, as you go back and you listen to the, the speeches that Hitler gave, I don't understand Russian, but the charisma, right, of the presentation, a, a charismatic leader is a big part of civilian morale. I mean, think of Churchill, right? Movies and ice cream socials. There were actually guides to this that the military had well up until the 1980s on how to, in small towns, right, um, but but think about, you know, World War II during, during times of, you know, polio, plague, stuff like this. Um, they would go and and if you had if you could put a sheet outside of somebody's, you know, like a garage door or somebody's house and have a projector, you could show a movie. And then if there was an air raid, like you could quickly like shut that down and get everybody out of there. But those types of things, an ice cream social, the, there was, again, actually a, a guide saying how to how to do this. My parents talked about this again. You know, they they were easy is simpler times back then, but they talked about that World War II thing where, you know, they bring in a projector and, and they would show on the side of, 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 a, of a building, right? A movie like the wizard of Oz or something like that, or gone with the wind. And, and this was to build this community um, morale, the spirit and It was really big. If you're in a small community, like you have to, you, you do that. If you're in a bigger community, you've got these things available to you, you know, like a movie theater and some of those things. I mean, and today you got like what Netflix and all of that, but back then, like getting people together and still kind of, you know, things like that today. Um, six, and we're seeing this day parades, right? Parades. Um, there's a few things that parades do. One is um, you're recognizing, you're recognizing people like, so, you know, whoever's in the parade, you know, whether it's military right now, it's healthcare workers. You're recognizing your healthcare workers. You're recognizing your first responders, stuff like that. I think these things have kind of gotten a little overdone, but you know, right now. Um, but yeah, it is kind of a thing. People recognize it builds up, builds the spirit. The other thing is it's, it shows, it's a show of force. Frankly, a parade is a show of force because you have millions of dollars of firefighting, ambulance equipment, and things like that. It's a show of force. There is a visual, an audio, just a sensational component that comes out of there that we are, we can take this stuff on. Look at the equipment that we have. So there's a reason why these parades are starting to happen in these these small and large communities right now. Um, again, and then you know I, I'm I'm a little bit so you know the parades for healthcare workers. And we're going to light the buildings up blue and all of that. I get it, I get it, but we're also forgetting like how about truck drivers? Like <laughs> we're like they're the backbone of of getting all of the supplies, all the stuff going on right now, you know, was, it's not kind, it's not equitable what we're doing here on a parade. We're not like having a couple semis in there and cheering those folks on too, but I mean, maybe we'll get to that point. So number seven, sacrifice for those closest to the battle. So if you believe, okay, if I believe, yeah, I don't have my, my mask 
in rubber gloves or whatever, because the hospital folks need to have those. Or I don't have Lysol wipes now because they have those in the hospital. I feel like I'm sacrificing. That's a reason why um, morale would continue to be high. Like you're sacrificing for your, your fellow workers, like who are at the front lines. Um, number eight, equality of sacrifices across classes. You, you feel like everybody is, is contributing to this, not just you, like the people who are richer than me, the people who are poorer than me and whatever, we're all, we're all contributing to this. Um, that there's a sense of safety right now that, you know, you feel like your government is providing safety. This was really important after nine 11, like they put the, the aircraft carrier off of, off of the coast, you know, off of New York. And the reason they did that um, you know, they didn't anticipate another attack, but people could see the aircraft carrier, right? It was a visual sign that they could fly, you know, fly planes overhead. It was a sense of safety, a sense of strength. Number 10, conveying a clear outcome. Okay, so the clear outcome is saying, if you're the president, if you're the governor, whatever, your, your clear outcome is saying, listen, we're going to have peace when this is done, if it's a war, or we're going to have health if it's a pandemic. We're going to have health. We get through this, we're going to be healthy. People are going to have immunity. We're going to be healthy. Things will be okay. And when you also do that, it's also subtly conveying to people what we're probably going to have hardships. We're probably going to have to accept some losses to get to the point of, of this being healthy again. Right? So you convey this clear outcome. If you tell people, this is where we're going to get to, um, it's a lot easier for people to go along that path. We just know that in general, if you tell people ahead of time, it's uh, it's going to be rocky. It's, it's going to be hard times. Um, but here's where we're going to be. They can handle it pretty well. So let's get into what erodes civilian morale or what really tanks civilian morale. Civilians, right? So let's go back to the chat room first. Um, Red Crusader. Um, life goes on. Uh, I will survive. If shit goes down. That's the most basic mindset anyone could have. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Red, you're right on. I think it's a locus of control too. I mean, if the media will want you, want you to bring you out to this macro focus of feeling that everything is falling down and you have to somehow support everything that's going on, whether it's the stock market or unemployment, everything going on. But if you go to your focus, your, your locus of control, which is you have control over what you're doing, the decisions you make right now, your house and you, where you're at, um, you have a lot more power. It's, it's really mind, right? You've got it. It's mindset. Um, Victory Gardens, David, don't forget Victory Gardens, plant one. Yeah, Victory Gardens. Yeah, my, my grandparents, you know, they would they plow up the whole yard front and back and they'd be planting potatoes, corns or corn, you know, carrots, uh, all of that stuff. And we're doing that this year. And it's a good thing for our kids too to do a Victory Garden. We just got to watch out for the deer. We got a lot of deer, potatoes, green onions, any herb. We should have been doing this stuff all along probably, right? It's something I think it's a good practice. There's no reason we couldn't have done this. Nick, great stuff, great show. I have to run, but uh, keep tuning again. Hey, thanks, Nick. Thanks for stopping by. So let's get into, here's the things that, that just tank morale. Okay, just, just boom, morale's gone. Okay, if you, can, if you can disrupt food supplies or people become uncertain in their food supplies. Now there is rationing, right? We've had rationing in wars, but then people know, like I'm only going to get so much sugar like this week. I'm only going to get so much. But if you can disrupt food supplies, you, you can really damage people's morale. When people went to the store and they saw like all the pasta is gone, the soup is gone, that's a big hit to morale. Now it bounces back. But if this perpetually happens, this disruption in food chains, that is a significant hit proven, okay, research proven to morale. Yeah, take care, Nick. Thank you again for, for stopping in. Um, 
Here's another thing. Events that last more than 10 months, or not 10 months, events that last more than three months, 90 days. So if you have something, a battle you're talking about, some event, a pandemic that's going on, once you get to 90 days, people are like, they're fatigued. They're tired. They want it to end. Make this end. So you have to do something. You have to shift it. You have to say, we're now into another step of this, another phase, or this is a new battle, or it's a new perspective. We're, we're into this other component of it. So now you've just put this 90 days behind them and you're into a new, fresh 90 days or whatever. But if you don't do that, right, you, you hit this thing called finite voltage. And I talked about it in my last podcast and also in my podcast, I don't know, 34 back in June, um, but back in June of 2017, but there's this thing called finite voltage. It's a psych, the psychiatrist was Dr. Apple in World War II, basically saying people only can last so long before they, they either die that they um, have a mental collapse or they, they become a prisoner of war, like if it's in wartime, but that also goes to civilian time. You can only last in chaos. Now chaos is, is defined. I wrote about chaos, right? This great damn book right here, School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America, but it's a lot about chaos theory. I wrote about chaos theory, worked with some of the best in the world on chaos theory. So chaos theory is situation and context are, are changing. And we have that right now. Um, so like after 9-11, things stabled out, stabilized pretty quick after 9-11. We knew we weren't going to be attacked on September 13th. We, we knew there weren't going to be additional planes, explosive, things like that. We just, we knew that, right? There was a consensus. But right now, we, we kind of are into this area. We're still out in chaos versus the last, you know, you know, five, six weeks of, of where we were at before. But we're, we're still getting information. Ah, oh, there might be a vaccine. There might not be a vaccine. It might come back and fall. It might not come back and fall. Now you have stay-at-home orders. If you're in Michigan, you can't go up to your cottage. You can't visit somebody or you could be put in jail. If you're in Kentucky, if you go to church, we're going to take down your license plate. And I, I know that was all thrown out, but... These are the things that keep us out in chaos. Like you really, it's like you want to start camping and then you're like, what the hell? I just camped on quicksand and the damn tent is sinking. So I got to lift it up and move it somewhere else. We're still kind of in that. Like, so that, that's something. Um, so anyway, it, events that last more than three months, if this thing goes on, this pandemic, and if we keep, you know, stay at home um, through the next, you know, month, if it goes into June and we start getting close to that three month, it's going to be really, really hard for people to, to, to deal with this as a morale issue. They're going to feel really beat down by the coronavirus. You're really defeated by it. Um, you're going to, your people, you're going to see it. You're going to see it in relatives. You're going to see it in your friends. You're going to see some people are just going to take the, take the psychological hit on this. And you're going to be like, oh, damn it. You know, like life's changed. Like, and we're not going to get back at social distancing and never see a baseball game again. Um, uh, you know, uh, I, I hate seeing people a mask. I hate, I can't see people smile. You're just going to see this stuff that's going to happen. So like, know it, like I'm telling you, know it, get out in front of it, like understand it and realize that, that once we hit this point of this finite voltage, which is actually, it's a, you know, it's a term, it's a process. Um, people are, a lot of people are going to hit the psychological, uh, kind of implosion with morale. So keep people move, moving on that. Like keep people thinking down the road, thinking down the road. Here's what, the, you know, here's what we're going to do six months from now. Here's what we're going to do a year from now, two years from now. Keep people thinking down the road. Um, Red, um, Red Crusader, let me go to the chat room. Um, hey, if you get uh, desperate for food-wise, you can eat a lot of what's on certain pine trees, the needles and bark. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, I saw a couple um, a couple shows where I did that. Thankfully, I got a couple big pines out and back. Um, Red Crusader, high in vitamin C also. Yeah, keep scurvy away. Um, new growth pine, trees is edible. Yeah. So 
Um, I've got a lot of stuff uh, that grows out in the back too that I that I could eat. Um, cedar tea, yeah. David um, wrote, uh, masks are now mandatory here in Maryland as of tomorrow when you go into any public uh, building or space for both customers and employees. Wow. So this is what I'm talking about when we talk about chaos. We are technically in chaos because now that's something new, right? So, Dave, this is something that has changed our situation in context if you're in Maryland. Now you have to do this everywhere you go. And what what if you don't? And, um, you know, what are the reminders going to be? Is it going to be a, a, a you know, a reminder the first couple of days and then a fine. And, and what's it psychologically going to be like to see people who have masks and who, you know, are wearing the mask like here down. So all you're seeing is their eyes. And if they have sunglasses, you don't see anything. Psychologically, we take so much information from the cues that we get, the facial cues from people that we've just been, um, you know, we, we've just been denied that. So just that we prepare for that. We prepare for that. So what erodes, what what wipes out morale? If you have a negative leader, if you have a leader who just is like, we're getting our ass kicked, this is not going well, this is bad, I don't know, throws up, you know, the brakes on everything, like either, you know, again, state, local, level, whatever, like people, if, if you lose, if your leader's got that view, that's hard to overcome, that's a big hit to morale. Um, taxes is another thing, like we don't have that right now, like no one is jacking up taxes, no one is adding taxes into this mix. Um, thankfully, but that's, um, who knows where that'll go. Lack of medical care. So yeah, if we can't get our own, if we can't get our medical care, you know, like we've had to cancel a couple, uh, routine, um, appointments that we had for some family things like, you know, dentist isn't available right now. They're shut down. We can't get teeth cleaned. We're okay right now. But like, if you can't get in and get the dentist, some of those things, uh, eye doctor, stuff like that, um, that starts to erode morale. Um, lack of success. If you feel that we're not making any success against a coronavirus, if you're like, Jesus, like, it just seems like it's getting worse every day. More people are getting it or, you know, we, we, uh, people aren't, they don't seem to be getting better or what, I mean, I'm not saying these things are generally happening, like, but if that's your perception, like this lack of success that kills morale and that's where face validity comes into play. Like with Brian, right? If we talk to other people that we trust and know from around the country and ask them what is authentically happening around you? you typically are, you're going to get authentic feedback. It might always be what you want to hear. They might say, yeah, this is happening and this is worse than it was. And here's how, but in most cases it's either steady or it's a little bit better. Like there's more food on the shelves, Dave. Um, that's more streamlined so you can get in and out of places better. So you're not having to waste your, your time with stuff like that. People have put systems in place. Um, what erodes morale, the perception of the state as an enemy. This is an interesting one, right? This goes all the way back uh, to a hundred years of research, but when people feel that the state is working against them, when people feel they come out of this and they're going to be chipped or something like that, or, you know, uh, that they're going to have their um, liberties taken away of that their monetary stuff would be amortized. Yeah. People go, the morale goes really bad. John Steele, a shout out to our good friend, John Steele in the chat room, John Steele, Coming to us from the Pacific Northwest, um, I also had John Steele on a show um, last year. So, John, thank you so much. John, I was just sharing with everybody here that uh, this morning, two prisoners escaped from the Supermax prison two miles from my house and uh, a pretty nonchalant escape. They just, um, in civilian clothes, went over two fences Um got to a hotel, hailed a cab, went to the neighboring town to a grocery store, then got a transportation. They're gone. Nobody knows where they're at. And um, that's the same prison that Jeffrey Dahmer was murdered in back in 94. 
So how the hell does that happen? And we just got to notice, you know, the hey, stay inside, look for anybody suspicious, let us know. And uh, I didn't see any police. So my neighbor and I kind of became, um, it, was, it was like red dawn here. Like I was Charlie Sheen. And, uh, and yeah, I, and after that, who, who else was in red dawn? Who could be my neighbor? Um, so yeah, I was Charlie Sheen though. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was definitely red dawn here today for me. It, it was red dawn. We secured Wolverines. Like I had a spray can, every fucking thing in my neighborhood has Wolverines on it. Like everything. So everything Wolverines. Cause we, we've got it. We secure this area. It's Wolverines. Yeah, Supermax is all prisoners in isolation. I don't know. I, I don't know. And, and, the, and the information coming out from the prison is is nothing. Like, we have no idea how this happened. We're investigating. And, and the prison called 911 when they realized these dudes got out. This is a maximum security prison. This There is no level above this in our state. There is no level. And you drive by it. It is, again, this huge fortress built in 86. So it's it's not some antiquated thing. And again, I mean, if it's an escape where you you dug a tunnel underneath for 500 yards and, you know, somebody dropped a drone off and all of these things, I'd be like, yeah, I can see how that could happen. I don't see how you can just walk out in your civvies and jump over the fence. But anyway, um, so here, here's something else that kills morale in civilians. In This is, this is a quote, inappropriate or excessive precautionary measures create anxiety and avoidance. So if you have people prepare too much, right? Um, too many precautions that they have to take. They get so anxious that they can't even function. You know, um, you, what they gave examples, many examples, but you know, like be, always be looking um, around you when you're at a, a you know, a postal um, area, right? Because, um, you know, th this is, this is where people tend to make drops of propaganda and there can be someone there who can, you know, kill you or something like that or, I mean, all just all of these things. And right now, what what are we hearing? Excessive precautions. Like we, you don't go, don't go outside. Don't go to the grocery store. Don't do that. You all the state parks here are closed, but yet the golf courses are open. I don't know, but all, all of these things where you get people, you know, you have to wash your hands, you have to cover your face, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. You get people so anxious and and avoiding. Like people are like, oh shit, I'm not going to shop. You know, our malls and stuff are all closed in all of our stores here because even if they opened up right now. People are like, I'm not going to the store. I'm not, I don't want to be within five feet of somebody. I mean, because they've been told this over and over again on the media right now. If you're five feet from somebody, I mean, it, it, five feet is an arbitrary number, right? It's an arbitrary number where they put these boxes down. Now these on the floor, these, these green X's and stuff that you have to stand. It's all arbitrary. Like who knows if it's that or if it's 10 feet or if it's 15 feet. But I mean, there's things that ultimately we're going to have some exposure to, to things unless we completely wall ourselves off. And then of course, I mean, you, you create a system where if, if you don't have any exposure to this, do you become extremely vulnerable unless there's like a vaccine? I mean, there are certain measures that we have to take, but we can't have people absolutely so terrified. And the other part in inappropriate excessive precautionary measures, I think this goes in, I'm going to stop right here. Hey, John, if you also, if you've, um, if you haven't hit the thumbs up and subscribe, please do for the channel. I appreciate that. Thumbs up and subscribe. Um, so John wrote, have you done any research on um, how diverse societies have lower social trust in regards to emergency preparedness? Um, I might have. <laughs> no, really, John, I, I have to think that one out a little bit. Um, I'd say yes. I just, it's one of those things. I just, my memory doesn't, I'm literally like working off of a three page outline that I have over here. I, I'm not good in the moment of pulling that stuff out. 
And I, but I did, I, I did that stuff over different societies. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm fucking 50, right? I can't do this anymore. Like it just doesn't, the, the machine doesn't work quite as good. I've got, I've got to go back. I have podcasts that I'll listen to and I'll be like, wow, I didn't know I did a podcast on the, on positive recency or, um, now there's even, I don't know, there's one with a roulette wheel. I don't know what it was called. I just remember the thing. Um, um, yeah, but there's some podcasts. I'm like, that was really awesome. And I'd be like, I had no idea. I don't remember it doing it at all. And so I go back to my show notes. No, it's, it's a sign of cognitive slide here in the doc. I don't think so. Because typically I do a show and then I move on to the next show. But, um, and then, yeah, it's, it's still no, I can find my house and find my way around on a map pretty well. Um, but so this inappropriate excessive precautionary measures, this stuff gets into when you have people, when you're telling people, hey, report your neighbors for having a gathering, right? Like all these websites now report people. They're like, shit, am I outside? How many people? Hey, you two go back in the house. That makes seven of us, of, of us outside. Now, I understand that we got a half acre of land here, but if somebody snaps a picture with a drone, we're screwed. They send it in. We're fine. So. I think this thing is is so crazy of precautionary um, measures. And I'm not saying there aren't appropriate things to do, but if you make people get so nervous, absolutely so nervous. Yeah. And so John, uh, John wrote in, uh, in, in the chat, your thoughts on how Sweden has handled the pandemic, no lockdown at all. So obviously going with a herd mentality, right? Saying we're going to have, you know, let this go through, let people build up immunity to it. And I mean, just, it looks okay. It looks like it's functioning and working, right? I mean, have people, we're going to, this will be a forensic thing that we'll look back on. Um, so, but it doesn't look like it's collapsing. I mean, like they have, and, I, and from what I've read, they have certain measures that, you know, people are taking and recommendations, but I think to kill an economy is really coming to light, right? <laughs> These unemployment numbers just skyrocketing. And, and my friends who, you know, all over the country have saying, you know, our community you know, when things open up, we're probably not going to have a theater again. The small parts place is gone. The paint store is gone. A couple of, you know, this is, I mean, these things are gone. That um, is one thing, like I can cut my own hair, which I'm going to try to do tomorrow. Um, I I can't do some of these other things. I can't fucking make paint on my own. Like, you know, maybe I could, but I'm just saying I don't, I wouldn't trust myself to do that. Um Red Crusader, Red Scare level paranormal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Under yeah, with McCarthyism back, you know, of of this Red Scare. That's what is happening when you put these websites up. Is it's a Stasi thing, right? It's it's where you are you you feel now that you've been deputized. Like I've been deputized. So I guess I have kind of pseudo been deputized because I'm patrolling my own neighborhood, trying to keep the escaped prisoners from breaking in, but it's this, this thing of, I'm going to keep my neighbor, I'm going to keep people in mind, like I'm going to keep people safe. And you don't realize that everyone is doing the same thing back at you, right? <laughs> they're doing the same thing. They're looking at you. And if they can report you for anything, they're going to do it. It's, it's just insane. Um, but it's an easy sell because it makes people feel powerful. Well, I can report you now because yeah, you know, your, your, your kids were having a, a pickup game of football at the field and there were eight kids on, on this hundred yard field and you know, whatever. Um, and that's the kind of thing that goes on. It's, it's insane. Um, Johnny five wrote, I went to the grocery store today and felt like I was in a post-apocalyptic horror movie. Everyone in mass, two dudes in, in uh, gas mask. Oh my God. So Johnny, you know, one of the things I, I've seen the same thing, like the mask stuff has really picked up here in the gloves. 
and and just like people covering as much of their body as they can with with you know bandanas baklava stuff like that hats sunglasses so it's 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 so dehumanized you know for me the doc doc's kind of an introvert anyway i don't really you know i like when i do stuff like i do 100 mile bike ride on my own i want people with me like i listen to podcasts listen to aaron clary listen to stuff like that masculine geek i'm there but I know I, I kind of I kind of function pretty well in this stuff. But I but it is really weird to see this because we take so many cues off of uh, yeah facial expression, other stuff. We're we're really removing a lot of that, and people just aren't going to give expression because they don't want to interact with people. They don't want someone to come over and talk with them. They want to get in, get their cereal, get their milk, get their roll aids, um, get their simply green if there's Clorox still in stock and a can of soup and get the hell out of there. That's what they want. They don't want anyone to like tie him. Hey, is, Hey, I think I know you. Yeah. You don't know me. You, we've never met before. Like just stay the distance, like just stay over there. Um, also what erodes civilian morale is propaganda, propaganda. Um, we didn't see propaganda the first five days, five, six days. I, I measured it really carefully on TV. What was happening? The news that was coming out. I went to CNN, the Drudge report, Drudge Report's negative no matter what, but I was just checking out. Propaganda took about a week for propaganda to hit. Propaganda in the form, propaganda good or bad, but propaganda in the form of, you know, we're going to start lighting up the, what the hell was it? The Empire State Building, red, and then we're going to have the siren. The, they call it a siren on top. It was a red light going around, which I don't know how the hell that works because a siren is sound. If, it, if you can say red light, I understand light. It was a light going around, right? So, which really looked weird. And then they had some, and then they were doing, um, you know, the commercials. We all got the emails, right? Hey, like, you know, I'm here from REI and we're just telling you we're here for you. You're here for me. What the hell does that mean? I bought a shirt from you two years ago. Um, okay. You know, and then everything like that. My insurance company. Hey, we're, we're anything we can do for you. I don't know what you can do. Uh, give me money, I guess. But I mean, all these things, right? We hear this. This is when the propaganda starts kicking in. People trying to surround you. We, you know, we're there for you. Like we're important. Yeah, whatever. Um, and finally, what erodes civilian morale? Unanticipated attacks that disrupt routines and impede productivity. One of the things in, in, in World War II, the, the, the air raids, right? Air raids over London, over Great Britain. Air raids were always a kick in the nuts because you could be working in a factory Three in the morning, things seem like they're chugging along, and suddenly the air raid siren or things just bombs start going off. And the, and the thing was, like, it just took a while to get back in the routine. Even if you didn't get bombed, even if it was a small bombing run and you're okay, by the time, like, you get back and try to get things fired up again, it's just hard to get back in the routine. So that's what people would say, you know, uh, whether working factories, civilian, whatever, they just said, you know, and that had, and that's very much like over in, in Iraq, um, like uh, during the many campaigns in Iraq, uh, the, the civilians would say there was the drone attacks that always threw them off because you didn't know when it was going to happen. It was unanticipated. It was hard to get back to your routine. So what would this mean right now for the pandemic? Unanticipated, not that, um, but unanticipated attacks. In, and I think what that would be, right, is if if something sparks up, somewhere where all of a sudden there's this hot zone um, where there's a lot of people testing positive. They're, they're going to hospitals. So suddenly like there's more restrictions, things are clamped down. There's an APM curfew or something like that. 
and that could really mess people up, right? Or or even if there's things saying, yeah, we're 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 going to further limit um, that how many people can go into a grocery store and and things like things like that. So you might have to to wait, um, you know, much longer, longer line, um, you know, whatever. But things that disrupt routines. We're, we're routine beings, like right, self similarity. We always want routine. We want today to be similar to yesterday, tomorrow to be similar today. Like not right now, because things are kind of nuts, but that's that's how we function. So when we get our routines disrupted, whether it's like a power outage and stuff like that, we kind of deal with it. Like, but right now we're, we're at this chaos area. Here's a Taurus, you know, guys have read, read my book here, School of Errors, but it talks about Taurus theory, talks about the psychology of disaster, getting, you know, like hurricanes, had Katie Pachan interviewed hurricanes, um, Joplin, Missouri tornado back in 2011. This F5 tornado rips apart the town. Ten minutes later, a mom, Genevieve Williams and her daughter, on an iPhone put together a website, joplintornado.gov or .info, whatever the fuck it was. You can find it at Joplin Tornado Info website. And they're like, okay, like we just had this rip through, fire stations destroyed, hospitals beat up. Here's where, here's what we know. Here's where you can get some assets. Like here's where we have some water that you can get to, um, a functioning water supply. Uh, some food. Here's where to bring stuff. Like within a few hours, a couple of people are helping them out. In like 48 hours, this whole thing came together. So it's pretty cool. So I think the big thing, the big takeaway on the morale stuff is the hundred day point, this finite voltage, we're, we're marching toward that, right? And people are not ready for this. People have no one prepared for this, right? And a lot of you, you know, I'm looking at the names over in the chat. Um, you're solid. Like, you know, this stuff, right? You've got this down. Um, so you're going to be the people though, that other people are going to lean on. They're going to come to you and they're going to say, how are you keeping it together? Or what am I missing? Because I'm freaking out and you can help them out. I mean, it's, it's helping people you know, with their local locus of control, face validity, what is actually happening in their setting, talking to people, you know, hey, my friend out in Houston, my friend in the Bronx, what is happening right there? What do you see when you go outside? What is happening as far as lines? What's happening in grocery stores? What type of messages are you getting? Hey, the post, the postal worker isn't wearing gloves and a mask. What does that mean? Maybe, you know, just those types of things. Or now they suddenly are. So if the thing's been taken up a level. Um, any parallels between COVID-19 and 9-11? John, I actually did a, I did a podcast on that. So if you want to go back, um, I just in the last like month, I did a full podcast on that and did a, did a blog post. And actually there, there aren't many similarities between COVID-19 and 9-11. It's much better to compare COVID-19 to Chernobyl of 96. And that was my last podcast. And I also did a blog post on that. But, and the reason is because, okay, 9-11 happened and it concluded. And then, you know, again, on, on September 12th and 13th, we didn't expect to get attacked again. But Chernobyl happened April of, of 20 or of April of 1996. And then it continued to to progress. Like there was more radiation, 10 days of radiation, high amounts coming into Ukraine, into Poland, into Europe, eventually worked over to the U.S. We were hearing in the U.S. our crops are going to be contaminated. You couldn't go outside. Um you know, if it, if it rained because of, of radiation coming down, we were hearing a lot of things that was unfolding for months and it never kind of hit that hard, although it did hit pretty hard in the U.S. We forget about that. But every state in, in every state was recording radiation. We had radiation in our cereal um, back in, in from 80, you know, harvested from 87 well into the 90s. Um, radio, if you would have taken a Geiger counter over your cereal bowl, if it was off of the Great Plains, 
um, you would have had more more ticks on your Geiger counter. That was a fact. Like, but we we lived through this. And the big thing too is cancer. You know, we're thinking is how's it going to roll out for cancer? But so there's a there's definitely a, a a better description there, which I did pretty well in my last show. So let's go over here to um, to uh, Johnny Five. Honestly, given the restrictions and the unemployment numbers, things don't seem too bad. They could be a lot worse. There could be riots, extreme panic, but there isn't. Yeah. So Johnny Five, this is this is where Nick August was. Um, he spoke about this on Masculine Geek podcasts about a week ago, and Nick Nick was saying his perception was that we're kind of broken, right? We're not like we're we're not responding, you know, so so vibrantly and robustly to this because we we've we've kind of become soft on some of this stuff, and it's also weird because you talked about yeah with the unemployment numbers. Um, but yet, you know, people are getting, getting, you know, some stimulus checks. There's unemployment, the unemployment boost, um, the supply chains have been built back. Remember I talked about that was like right at the top when I went back and civilian morale, if you disrupt people's supply chains, like their food, if you disrupt their food chain for any amount of time, morale tanks. So like the grocery stores, Walmart, things are pretty much back in stock. I mean, that's what I've been finding. And also, so Johnny Fi, like, isn't it weird? Like the stock market is is climbing back. And tomorrow, the futures are up seven or 800 points already for tomorrow's futures, yet we have record unemployment. Yeah, we have all of this stuff. In my state, we have another five weeks of stay safe at home or lockdown. And you would think that those things, but again, I guess the stock market isn't the economy, but those things would be would be um, transferred in, like a, a transitive type property that we would see that. And, and we don't. And people have generally adapted pretty well. People adapt well. Going back, you look at substantial events through history. There, there have been studies too. Like, what if we ever found that there were aliens, right? What if one day, like we just said, we've been contacted by aliens in this. Like people, everything would kind of go wonky, crazy for a while. Like, but then people would level out. People would start to like make YouTube videos trying to like contact the aliens. Hey, like watch this video and stuff like that. They would adjust to it. And people are, they only stay in chaos for so long. You only function in chaos for a limited amount of time. It's like after 9-11. At 9-11, there was this temporary autonomous zone, uh, lower Manhattan, uh, for about nine hours. So people with boats were rescuing other people off and just doing what they needed to do. It lasted nine hours. They rescued 500,000 people. Temporary autonomous zone, TAZ. And then it just faded away. And people people adopt, people will force a new Taurus or new self-similarity out in chaos. Like right now, we still are out in this chaos zone. It still hasn't returned, but they're like, we're they're forging their way. We're, they're getting used to things. And because for generally, the mail is still coming in, right? We're still the mail. We still get our food. We're still getting, you know, our prescriptions, our TV, our Netflix, our internet isn't all choppy and stuff like that. For the most part, it's a pretty comfortable event for a lot of us. It's not that we're having air raids and shells bursting through our ceilings and killing everybody and stuff like that. So so there are many things in this, yeah, as, as you've indicated, that the panic's not there. I think what's going to happen is the psychological part, Johnny, the, the psychological part of hitting the three months, 90 days to 100 days. We hit that. We know that finite voltage, Dr. Apple, the psychiatrist studying World War II, additional studies, once we hit that as a civilian population, that's going to be really hard uh, for people, especially, you know, we kind of get into earlier midsummer. If things haven't significantly relaxed and rebounded for people, that's when we're going to see people really lose their shit. Um, and yeah, let's, let me go over here to the, um, oh, anyway, yeah, I, I just let me mention this too. So the USO, like what is the USO? 
what is a UFO? It's a fucking flying saucer is a UFO. But a USO is a United Service Organization. So the USO, remember Bob Hope, um, Rock, Raquel Welch, the USO tours? Like, they were great, right? Like, to, to boost morale of the troops. Um, and he used to do these for communities, too. Like, the USO used to go to go into the big cities and stuff like that. And you think about it being World War, War II, uh, Korean War, Vietnam. Um, but even recent, you know, the, the USO still exists. But it's it's... It's not a specific branch of the military. It's it's funded as a as technically a nonprofit. It's again not part of the federal government. Um, but yeah, the USO started after um, it started in 1941. President Roosevelt thought uh, it made sense to unite a lot of service organizations trying to lift morale, and then this USO came to be. Marilyn Monroe performing for the troops, stuff like that. So so yeah. Um, that's kind of, you know, just talking, that's kind of a thing that we have, you know, so the USO, well, not kind of a thing, the USO has been out there. Um, let's go over to the, the chat. And I've got one funny story. If you can hang, hang with me here at the end, I got a really funny story. This is my contribution to some lighthearted uh, morale boosting stuff. It's a funny story. It is a hell of a funny story. Okay. Um, John Steele, the worst part of these types of events is the uncertainty, which leads to anxiety, poor decision making. Yeah, absolutely, John. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get back at some point to, and not in this podcast, but I want to go through like the first maybe 72 hours when this hit because, like all the stuff that I was thinking about and the conversations you know I'm having with my wife of how we kind of kind of get things together here as a family and and look at the long game if this does start to play out the way that it, it could, how uh, you know I'm. My dad, I got a couple of kids, you know, here. So we got to make sure everything is is as um, put together and is is planned out as as it can be during this time of chaos. We can we can handle these things. Um, so John Steele, Chernobyl and COVID both had a high um, rate of uncertainty. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Those that that was a really good podcast. That was a good pod. It was the best artwork I ever did in Photoshop for that podcast. And that one was about a week ago. But um, and Chernobyl is interesting because right now, right, they're having the fires, the wildfires around Chernobyl by Pripat in Russia, and they're releasing all of this radiation that was kept in the trees, and it's coming back into a cloud over Europe. So, they're like their Geiger counters are picking this stuff up now. It's not equivalent to what Chernobyl was, but it's like a it's a one two punch. That's like we could have something like if you have chicken pox. As a kid, you can get shingles as an adult. That could be this whole thing that comes out of this coronavirus. We don't know. We don't know what this looks like. You know, maybe 10 years from now, anyone that has it starts to manifest some weird side effect or whatever. But it is what it is. Like, it's friggin' life, right? Um, yeah, water's still working. Johnny Johnny Five wrote, water's still working. Food, internet, you bet. The essentials, we're, we're fine. We're really in good shape. Like, we're really in good shape. And, and there's a part of me, I'm like, I wonder how we would respond if we are really pressed, if we are really tried, I think we'd be okay, but this isn't something that's really pressing or really trying us. I mean, for some of us, you know, the, the worst part was our internet got throttled down <laughs> and people were complaining about that. You know, or I, I place an Amazon order and it said it wouldn't come in until June 5th. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know, I guess. I mean, if that's our inconvenience right now, I mean, come on. I mean, my, 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 you know, Parents lived in the World War, you know, two era, you know, my, my grandparents in, in the Great Depression, you know, where, you, you know, you're cutting up a potato to put it in, in, in an onions, you know, to feed an entire family, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. But 
now nah, I didn't, I don't know. We've got it. We've got it pretty good through this. It's, but it is this weird psychology and it is a psychology though. We get to this 90 to hundred day point. You're going to see some really wonky stuff going on with people. Um, they're going to start breaking on this. You're not going to, if you're over here on the chat, you're not going to be in that group, but you're going to be the group that starts to see it and say, shit, I know these people. Like these are my relatives or my friends. And now they're starting to, to say stuff that doesn't really quite make sense or starting to lose it or just starting to get so anxious. Um, it, those it, you just got to be concerned about that. So let me, um, the podcast is great. Safety doc from Johnny five. I got to listen to your episodes. Hey, thanks. So yeah, there I've, this is episode one thirty. I've got a lot of stuff out there. A lot of interviews. Um, check out the one with, um, John Steele, uh, escaping Seattle. That was wonderful. Um, uh, that was, that was a fun, that was a fun show. So check that out. Um, Hey, Brian. Yeah, I wasn't going to do a show tonight, but you know, when, when prisoners break out, it's just, it's an, not an everyday opportunity when two prisoners in civilian clothes break out of a maximum security prison a couple of miles from your house. It's just not an everyday opportunity. And, and no one knows where the hell they are. No one knows. No one knows. Um, they're probably listening to the show right now. They're like, hey, it went live stream, safety doc. Yeah. They're like having to do headphones. Though. They won't be picked up. Like if the drones are flying overhead. I'm just like, it, it just is freaking crazy. So, um, Brian wrote, um, our first letter, red crusader, uh, we're nowhere near hard living it. Yeah, absolutely. We're not. We're, that's the part. And I'm nervous because it, it sounds cool to say this, but I kind of want, I, I want people to feel more pain. I want people, I, I, because I think people respond better. They understand where their, their parameters, the perimeters are of psychology and functioning. You know, if you can't get things at the store, what else can we do? How can we share things? What other stuff? What if the, you know, internet isn't going to be as, I, I don't know. Um, but it's, it's, I, I don't want it to feel like it's too easy. Like, I, I think we also figure out who we are and what we're capable of when we're really stressed. Um, not that we have this, the stress that lasts again into the hundred days, but you know, when we rush in, um, into things, it's like with the stock market, you know, the stock market is artificially propped up right now. I mean, it's insane that it's at almost 24,000. It was 18,000 four weeks ago. I mean, who the hell's buying, um, right now? Um, you know, with unemployment numbers going up and, and who's buying retail and retail stores are closed and all this stuff just doesn't make sense, but it's artificially, you know, to, to keep us from feeling. And I, it's, I've always felt, you know, as, 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 as a former super retired superintendent, kids need to feel academic rigor. They need to feel challenged, right? You got to bring them up to the point where they might fail. And if they fail, then you try a different way. You try it again. And then people kind of shied off. Oh, we don't want people, we don't want kids to experience failure because that's just cruel. Well, no, it's not cruel. It's part of life to have them experience failure over and over and over and over again and not help them with ways to get over that hump, try to try to move beyond it. Yeah, that's cruel. But no, I mean, people fail. Yeah. I mean, I, I've never seen a baseball team in the major leagues go 162 and 0. So here's a story. Let me, let me tell you the, the, the story. Uh, for, or first one, um, Brian wrote, I'm thinking more people are so stressed that they will die from a heart attack than COVID. Yeah. This is weird too, because I went out last night for the first time in a while and went running on the track. We have a high school track located a few blocks away. And I felt, you know, felt good. It was cold last night. It's like fucking 25 degrees, which is really cold for, you know, middle of April. But it was a good night to be out running. Sky was clear. It's just a really nice night to be out. But I'm kind of thinking like, you know, this is a time of year I'm, I'm much more active. I'm biking. I'm doing other stuff. And because of this, I haven't. Like I've stayed closer to home. And, um, you know, I've, I, I really 
I'm not in the best shape that I'm not in the shape I should be in. And yeah, I understand I can do stuff around the home, but you know, you, you it's just, it, it's hard because yeah, just kind of pick your poison with that. John uh, Steel Road Doc, what do you think will be the long lasting changes in behavior after the crisis? So one is social distancing. I think will always be here. Like I, um, I think people will always keep a reserve of food. Um, you know, we, we had that, we had our cupboards. Now we have an additional pantry area. I think we'll always have that. I, I believe as long as I, I'm around and my wife, you know, we'll, we'll always have this reserve. Um, so, so those are things that, that will be lasting. Virtual education, I think will be lasting. I think dorms, university dorms are a thing of the past. That the conventional dorms, and I've heard that I, I teach for a university. Um, I haven't heard from that university, but from other universities that graduate UW Madison, I think schools um, having you know kids packed twenty five in a classroom, you're probably going to see schools go to a model where hey, we're going to go um, Monday, Wednesday for this group, Tuesday, Thursday for this group, and everybody is virtual on Friday. I, I think those type of things are going to are are definitely going to be lasting. Um, and and the the way that we use um, the internet for meetings, right? That we're, we're just we don't have to be at face to face work. I think that whole work model and and is going to change. I think those will be lasting um, lasting things out of this. So, um, and I'll probably learn how to to cut my hair. Um, so yeah, I, I've got you know I got to think about that a, a little bit more. But I but I but I think definitely virtual education, virtual work has moved there. Uh, people keeping a, a certain amount of food. You know, I taught I had Nick Schulander on the show. Nick Schulander is a college student in Washington State. And Nick said one of the things that that changed for him with this is he's like, I'm always going to have the, the fastest internet router I can have for the money and like the latest technology as long as like I'm not spending over the top for it. Like I'm always going to have that stuff because right now if things go crazy and you got to use the internet. If you have a, a router, I put that router up. I have a router up here um, in December. I put a new router in and, you know, it can handle a ton of devices and stuff like that. And it's great because now my kid, my kids are on this, you know, my wife, we got all this stuff that we're doing. If I didn't, if I had the old router, it kind of be screwed. So I think part of it is that I also, I mean, here's, you know, people carrying uh, battery packs with them, but the, um, I, you know, I start to do that. We were going to go to Disney. We were supposed to be at Disney March 16th. We were supposed to fly out of Milwaukee down to, to Orlando. Um, and what I've heard from, you know, the folks at Disney, is when if we go back in a year, obviously social distancing for the rides, you're probably going to get a little buzz like on your phone when it's your turn and only let so many people get up and they're going to be doing that. But also you're going to be wearing masks. I mean, I we had when we went to Disney back in 2017, part of the fun, of course, is they have the photographers all over the place and you, you take your magic band and they take, you know, they scan it and then they take your picture and you have all these interesting fun photos and now you're you're just going to be this family of bandits right you're just going to have the mask on and you're going to have all these pictures around disney it's going to look so weird right it's going to be weird um and also I, you know what what else is lasting john is i, I think this whole thing of uh the, the stasi approach or reporting thy neighbor for social gatherings and for other things i think is going to stick um the websites are probably going to go away that are out there right now for social gatherings and stuff like that. But I think that whole mentality of, of, um, is going, is, is going to stick. And I just, I've, I've talked about it with Brian Bowden. I, I, I think we're closer to the social credit score than we were ever before. Like China went to it in 2019, Japan has it, but more, um, it, it's not as restrictive as it is in China, but a social credit score. Um, so, you know, that your behaviors per some subjective entity or government are, 
ad, admirable. They gain you your thousand points. So you, you keep access to your planes and railroad and that you can buy so much at a grocery store. And you gain those points also by reporting things that your neighbors are doing. Hey, they didn't put their recycling out or they mix the recycling in their garbage. And you report stuff like that. I'm just really, I, I, I see that that's become a very slippery slope. So, um, well, you wouldn't be crazy enough to go on a cruise ship. God, can you imagine who would do that? Like even beforehand, like that seemed like a really bad idea. Um, Brian Bowden wrote, mask and gloves will be long lasting. Yeah, social I, mask and gloves. Um, I agree. You're just going to see that they'll be marketed. The schools too, like you're just going to see these things in places. They'll just be standard practice. That you're going to have to have these things if you're going into places. So I've, you know, I, 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 I just completely imagine that that's going to be there. Um, so let me tell you a funny, let me wrap it up here. The funny story. This is a really good story. So back, back, back in uh, the year was 2000. Okay. So 20, 20 years ago, 20 years ago. And I, I'm teaching in a small district um, in Wisconsin, small school district. Right. And, and one of my friends in this district, he is, he's the, the gym teacher. Okay. His name's Steve. And so I'm, I'm like what in 2000, I'm 29. Right. And Steve is maybe like 50. Okay. And so Steve is your stereotypical, you know, gym teacher at an elementary level in 1990. Like every day is like, let's set up the, the bases and let's do kickball. Okay. That's kind of the way it was. Steve's a good guy, but like that was Steve. So anyway, um, so Steve has, he has this collection of baseball jerseys, baseball memorabilia, the Milwaukee Braves. He bid on the scoreboard at County stadium back when they took the stadium down and he was going to have it put taken by semi to his house and put up on the side of his barn as is. I mean, this is like how big of a fan this guy was. So anyway, as Steve's talking to me, he's like, Hey, what about, what about, what about, um, what about eBay? What's this eBay thing? eBay was new back then. What about, what's this eBay like? I, you know, cause I said, Steve, you know, if you got an eBay, you could, you could buy more baseball memorabilia. Like you could bid on this stuff. It's like, here's, so he goes, Hey, can you, can you help me set up an account? I'm like, no, no problem, dude. No problem. Stopped over this place. And, uh, and anyway, so I, I'm helping him this 20 years ago, right? 20 years ago, I'm setting up this eBay account and whatever. And he's like, you know, okay, here's what his, his eBay login name is, his password. So I memorized the password, right? Of course I memorized the password. And, uh, so then he's going in and he's like, oh my God, I can't believe this. So I remember eBay 20 years ago, just starting out, but he's like seeing all these things and here's, here's a Jersey, you know, from the 1952 team I won. Here's a baseball. I, how do you bid on this? How do you set up an account? Back then, I don't know if there was PayPal. There was some weird, I think you either paid by credit card or you could you could wire the money. I don't, I don't remember, but it wasn't like as slick as a PayPal account. But here's the deal. Steve's watching all of this stuff and he's all excited about it. And then I log in later that night from my place and I can check the things that he put on his watch list, right? And one is this, uh, this baseball, it's like a $10,000 starting bid. So I'm like, I'm going to have a little bit of fun with Steve. So I talked to Steve's friend, uh, Kenny, Kenny, the custodian, Kenny's a good guy. So Kenny and I are talking to, to together and I'm like, I'm going to play this trick on Steve and just go along with it, Kenny. So, um, anyway, I, uh, I, I, send Steve, I send Steve this message and I'm like, congratulations, you, you're the highest bidder on this baseball, you know, $10,000 and, you know, 40, 45 cents or whatever. Um, and I built this website. Remember it's kind of like Wix, but I mean like Homestead back then, 
you could build all these free websites. So I quickly whipped together a website 20 years ago. And I had this picture of this baseball and this big congratulations thing and all this stuff. And, and, uh, so anyway, like Steve gets this email. I made a f- fake email account too, like baseball, you know, baseball guy 44 at, you know, gravitymail.net or whatever. So the next, so Steve gets this right. And, uh, so of course he didn't bid on this. He didn't put out $10,000 for a baseball. His wife would kill him by the way. So Steve next day at, uh, at, at work there, we're, we're, we're teaching, right? He's like, Hey, 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 w- would you have a chance? Like, can you, can you get, get down here? Like, I'm like, yeah, like third hour. I've got some time. I can come down and see you. So I'm like, okay, I come down and I can, I, I can play this stuff straight. Like I straight face. And, and Steve's like, Oh my God. He's like, she closes the door. He's like, Dave, here's the deal. He's like this eBay stuff. He's like, I got this email. And, um, I, do I, what is this? Like, did I win this thing? Cause it's like $10,000. I look at him like, yeah, well, come on. Congratulations, dude. He's like, Oh, whoa. I didn't bid on this. I didn't bid on this. This was, I didn't do anything. I'm like, Steve, no, you must have like, what did you do? Like there's a bidding. No, I'm sure I just had on a watch this. I'm like, dude, you bid on this. You won this. This is a legal contract, Steve. You, you were, you, when you signed up for this, there's no backing out on this, dude, you've got to buy this. He's like, okay, I can't do this. I can't pay $10,000 for this. My wife, he's going through this whole thing. And then, um, you know, so he's sharing this whole story with Kenny, who, who is his confidant too. And Kenny's totally playing into it. He's like, oh God, you're, you're so screwed, Steve. You are cooked. You're done on this. So Steve comes back to me. He goes, what, what do you think I should do? I'm like, well, email the guy. And the guy is me because I got the email address. He doesn't know this. So he's like, yeah, John Sealy did pay me. I don't know. I'm trying to do this story. But this is pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. So anyway, he's, so he's like, um, he emails and he says, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to bid on this. Um, and can you please put it back up for sale? I, you know, my wife, he got in his big email of like, my wife would kill me. I'm just trying to learn the system and all stuff. So of course, what do I do? Like I email back to Steve and I'm like, listen, dude, this is a legal contract. You bid on this. You denied other people from being able to have access to this thing. And, uh, you, you, you need to, you know, I, you need to pay up. I'll tell you why I'm, I'm, I'm going to think about it for 24 hours and see if there's anything else. So Steve, the next day he finds me, he's like, Oh my God. He's like, I'm like, Steve, how'd it go? How'd it go? He said, well, he's like, the guy's still pissed. Right. But I, I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance. So I explained to him what I'm doing. And I'm, of course, you know, I know it. Cause I get the email. I'm like, Oh no, man, there's a toss up. I'm like, cause you pretty much have to pay it. Steve, it's just the way that it is. He's like, yeah, you know, I might, I might have to do it. I might have to, I might have to go down. I might have to do it. I don't know, but I hope I don't have to. So anyway, and of course, like, I'm not taking money from Steve at this point. All right. And I'm not interfering with this guy's bid that's on eBay um, at all. Like this thing had just expired. Like it didn't, it didn't sell. Right. So it, it just vanished. Right. So I'm not trying to manipulate a system or screw people over, destroy anything here. So anyway, then, so I email Steve back the next day from this guy and I'm like, listen, like, um, understand you made a mistake. Welcome to eBay. You know, hopefully you'll have more successful purchases, but, uh, I'm going to, you know, contemplate relisting the item or putting it up in an auction. Um, and you know, just be very careful what you do in the future. So then of course, Steve is like relieved sends back to this guy. You're so much. Thank you so much for just, you're such a great guy. Like, is, you're right. Like I, I need to be more careful on what I do and, and just all this stuff. So but here's the thing though. Like I never told Steve that story ever, ever, ever. 
And um, it's so it's funny. Like I'll still see him to this day, and we'll bring you know we'll eventually like work around. It. I'm like, remember that time you bid on that baseball, and the guy like almost made you pay for it, and it would have been like ten grand, and your wife would have killed you. He's like, yeah. And then the guy like let me off. He's like, that was so cool. Like people need to be like that. That was a good thing, Steve. I'm like, it was good that that happened. You learned your lesson, but it's also good. There's some hu- there's goodness in humanity, right? I've got a lot of stories like that. A lot of stories. But um, I'm going to wrap this one up. Let me go back over to the uh, chat room. Uh, Brian Bowden wrote, uh, roads, bridges, and more really need it, and it's about time it gets done. Yeah. why? What's the big holdup here on saying, hey, we're going to put $2 trillion into infrastructure? <laughs> What's the holdup on that? Um, Red Crusader, if you go to parts of Ohio and, and most of what I've seen in Indiana, you'll know what I mean. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, John and the King, yeah, they had PayPal back then. Um, I, you know, and I didn't do much on eBay until years later, but Steve was, that was kind of his entry entry thing. Um, what is what is a Bob Euchre baseball? <laughs> yeah, Bob Euchre, who who played for the Milwaukee, what was it, Braves, and then the Braves moved to Atlanta, and now he's the announcer with the, uh, um, with the Brewers. But yeah, um, on the movie Major League, God, I loved it. Harry Doyle, just a bit inside. A little chid music. It was a hot shot toward the hole. Oh, God, I miss Harry Carey. Look at the kid in the sombrero. What's his ERA? There's a triple There's a triple play. There's a Budweiser. Um, so, yeah, I'm one of those types of friends, Brian Bowen. Great gag on this. Yeah, I did a lot. I did a lot of stuff like that. You know, nothing, you know, I look back on that stuff, nothing that would get people genuinely in trouble or harm people. You never would do that. That's wrong. Right. But stuff like this, that was, that was spot on. Um, yeah, with well, Steve and the fact, yeah, I just love it. We can go back to that story today. Um, so yeah, it's hilarious. That's a really elaborate point. Yeah. Cameron, I had a lot of people in on it. There was one other time we had Steve convinced here. Now this will be the last story. Is Steve, we had Steve convinced that, um, his office was going to become the new nurse's station because it was next to the main office. So um, again, Kenny and I, we kind of always got stuff brewing on this. And uh, so Kenny, Kenny gets a hold of uh, Steve and, and we says, Steve, um, this has to be a new nurse's office because for privacy, you know, with, with, with kids, confidentiality, keeping more of the, the medications, kids getting stuff like that. They're, they need more space. So, your office is going to be moved to the basement. So they actually moved some of Steve's stuff, like Kenny and and uh, there was another custodian. They moved some of Steve's stuff into the basement. It was just horrible, right? It's just like a card table and an old lamp. I don't even think they told the principal. She, Barb, she was oldest principal in the state of Wisconsin. She was pretty cool, but she wasn't in on this at all. And then eventually, and, and Steve was just convinced Barb had it out for her. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like Dave, you know, she's always hated me since day one. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. See, she doesn't really talk about it. I mean, she's, yeah, she doesn't like that you show up late for meetings. Like, that's obvious. But so he's convinced, Barb, she's got it out for me. And then, of course, like we would always pull it at the last minute. Like Kenny would say, Steve, Barb said, now, nah, you, you know, your office is going to stay there. They're going to work something else out. So in Steve's mind, he's always thinking, oh my God, I just dodged it again. Like that, that couple of years I worked up there with Steve, like every moment of his life, he was like just dodging stuff. So from his good friend, Dave, here. but oh, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. You got to do that. You got to bust his chops once in a while. So yeah, I did the red stapler um, from office space. Oh my God. That was funny. Steve, I, I did leave a message on his phone um, with a translator from English to Spanish. And I had him convinced it was a new Spanish speaking family 
moving into the district and they wanted to know about adaptive FIAD for their kid. So I pretended as I listened to this message that I was also interpreting the message at the time and I don't speak Spanish. So I'm like, yeah, they they want to know about adaptive FIAD and this. And Steve's like, I'm not certified in adaptive FIAD. And he's like, when did you learn how to speak Spanish? I'm like, yeah, it was a long time ago, Steve. I'm like, but, um, but what do you want to do? Like they left a number out. What should I do when I call them? And of course I'd make it go away. Oh yeah, they, they're moving to the district one over from us, so nothing to worry about. Um, yeah. So Brian wrote, "I got university letterhead and would write to a select few that they had to leave school because their financial aid was canceled." Oh my God, Brian, um, uh, that is now that's something. Wow. I I I yeah. Okay. Wow. I didn't do that, but uh, that's interesting. Um, wow. Okay. <laughs> John, great show. Thanks, Doc. You're the best. Hey, I appreciate it. I appreciate everybody. This is an impromptu. Um, click the thumbs up, share it with other people. If you can, um, if you're not subscribed, please do. You know, at some point, I'd like to get a thousand subscribers. I'm not going to get my YouTube plaque, which everybody has for a hundred thousand subscribers, but maybe I'll get a postcard or something like that. So, all right, everybody take care. Do your memberships, uh, member checks, um, face validity, what's happening in your environment. Just don't tune into the TV. And um, I will have a blog post up with this to cover those points of um, what gets us through with morale during tough times and also what torpedoes morale. So everybody, take care and um, stay safe. This is your good friend, the safety doc here in Southern Wisconsin, where we have two fugitives on the loose. So I need to go back to my post and um, anyway, yeah, Red, Red Crusader, you're airing at this time every Thursday. I got to do that. I got to I got to set a time up. Like that's a thing. <laughs> like, I I haven't been doing that. I haven't been doing. Uh, I, I usually do a lot of stuff. I record ahead of time and then release it. But I've only started the live streams in the last like five six weeks with coronavirus. Um, so this is kind of new to me. But I think you're you're right. Like I want to come up with a set time when people are like I can tune in if I want to at that time and. Wednesdays is Masculine Geek, Tuesdays is the Mallard Report, but uh, Thursdays uh, seems like a, like a good night, especially if we're all going to be inside for a while. So everybody, take care. God bless. Protect the dock here. I'm, I am going to uh, do a perimeter sweep here uh, around my area. And again, um, maximum security prisons. They're not all they're cracked up to be. Andy Dufresne taught us that in Shawshank Redemption. Take care, everybody. This has been the Safety Dock Podcast with author, radio show host, and leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Remember to check back each week for the latest, best, and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. You can find Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe.